This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Along with Giselle and Nikki, we're here until midnight. Getting your thoughts on things going on in the world of sports. Where do you want to comment on Deontay Wilder's comment? That a funny thing happened to me on my on my way to the ring on Saturday night. Boy, that that uniform, that outfit I had just wore me out. I was ex- my legs were just exhausted at the way he was going. Exhausted. I mean, look, come on, Deontay. That that's not what happened. You could come up with a bunch of things. That would not be one of them. But I think he's going to take the rematch clause. I'm sure he will. So we'll see when that will get together. And hopefully he's got a better game plan than he had on Saturday night because that one did not work. Give Tyson Fury a bunch of credit for backing him in, moving forward, being the aggressor in the fight. And that was the difference in that fight. So we'll get your thoughts about that. We'll also get your thoughts on the net loss to Orlando, which as uh, Pat O'Keefe mentioned in the Nick Post game show, Orlando's the eighth team right now you don't want to be and they move a game closer to the nets listen you don't want to be eight (laughs) because that means you face milwaukee who's already clinched you don't want to be eight that's an early exit out of the postseason you and even seven is going to be tough with toronto although you you've noticed that the nets have done a pretty good job against the raptors they kind of match up with them pretty well so you want to be seventh or higher don't want to go eighth so we'll talk about the uh, Brooklyn Nets and the Orlando Magic. We'll come back and we'll shake our head at the Knicks and the Houston Rockets. And I mean, just the lack of defense at, at so many obvious points of the game. It was just, it, it was, it was maddening is what it was. It was maddening. Okay. The Knicks give up 72 points in the first half. Now, look. They were only down three in the first quarter. They gave up 36, but they scored 33, and you liked what you saw from them. Okay, look, we know Houston's going to score, right? We understand that. We know Houston is a prolific offensive team, and James Harden is unstoppable, especially in the regular season. So you understand that it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough, the Knicks aren't winning that game. You know that they don't have enough, they don't have enough scoring. They don't have enough people that hit the three to be able to deal with Houston. But you just want to be able to to do a better job defending them. And they were just getting layup after layup. And people are just standing and looking. And, oh, it was so frustrating. As the Knicks lose 123 to 112 in the game you heard right here on 987 ESPN. And as I mentioned, we'll uh, talk to Om Yamasuk in a couple of minutes about uh, the Kobe Gigi tribute, uh, along with the other families who lost loved ones in that uh, plane helicopter crash a couple of weeks ago. But our top story tonight the NHL trade deadline and going into this day, I really was curious to see what JD and the crew over at the garden were thinking as far as Kreider was concerned, were they going to trade him or because of the way this team has played of late and they've got a huge game tomorrow night right here on 98, seven ESPN when they face the Islanders over at the old barn, the Coliseum in Uniondale. Uh, that's a huge game, obviously, for getting back and getting even closer in that postseason playoff push. And we'll talk about the accident a little bit in, in a second or two. But I was wondering, were there, has this team played well enough that JD and crew say, you know what? Let's keep them together. Let's, let's not break them up. Let's not trade Kreider. 
even though we could get a, a, a load for him in, in picks. Let's try to keep this nucleus team together because they're playing so well. You know, so I was curious to see what they were going to do. And as it turns out, uh, Kreider's staying with a nice deal. Here's Don LaGreca on that, on Kreider staying against going on the open market. Yes, because he could have gotten much more money, I think, on the open market, but he could have not gotten more than seven years. So I think he just wanted to be locked into the seven years. And then the money to him, I think, was important, but staying here was a little bit more important because there's no question, I think, that once he hit free agency on July 1st, he would have gotten more money than that. There's no doubt about that. I agree with Don. He would have gotten more money. So why? I think one of the callers said it best last week on the show. Why let him, why trade him to need a player just like him that you want to try to get back when you've got that guy right now? And so they made the right decision. I think they keep Kreider. His down on the Rangers moves. I think the Rangers were very comfortable with the six and a half a year. They had to trade Brady Shea. I know it's tough to trade him to a team you're chasing after for the playoffs. They're in your division, but you got a first round pick that if that team does drop out of the playoffs can actually be a lottery pick. And you free yourself up over $5 million over the next five years per year, which means you'll be able to sign Fosh, you'll be able to sign Lemieux, and more importantly, you'll be able to sign D'Angelo. So this is a really good day for the Rangers. It was a good day, and I think the Rangers made the right decision. Now, earlier it was announced that by John Davidson at a press conference this morning that uh, Igor Shosturkin and Pavel Busnevich was injured in a car accident. Uh, Shesterkin, the goalie, suffered a non-displaced rib fracture Sunday night in Brooklyn and will be reevaluated in a couple of weeks. Busnevis was also in the car, shaken up, but suffered no significant injuries and is considered day-to-day. Don, on the impact of the car accident on the Rangers. I guess what makes it a really tough day is because of the car accident, which might knock Igor Shesterkin out for the rest of the regular season. We'll have to wait and see. He's, it's a two-week injury, they said, where he'll be evaluated in two weeks. Bushnevich got out of it okay, so we shouldn't just ignore that. That was pretty significant. A car accident last night in Brooklyn. Uh, injured ribs for Shesterkin. He'll be reevaluated in two weeks. Bushnevich is okay. But you've got Georgiev, Hank stays, so this team can still make a run this year, and their future is very bright. So that means the King is going to get some work down the stretch. The King will be back. And so those of you who felt that he was disrespected, those of you who felt he was being treated badly, you're going to need him to be on his A game if you're going to continue to be on this playoff push. Okay? Uh, that's the bottom line. As far as the Islanders, they made some moves also. Here's Don LaGreca. Islanders, I think, had a good day. Pajot is a really good center that's going to help them offensively. They lock him into a contract, so he's not going anywhere. So they gave up some picks, but they got a long-term uh, health moving forward. You added Green uh, earlier in the week on the blue line. So now the Islanders feel like they're pretty good moving forward. If they can start scoring some goals, they can contend for a playoff. All right, and the Devils, well, they were busy as well. Devils sold off the assets they had to get picks. Vantanen's gone. Um, Simmons is gone. Louis Domingue, uh, backup goaltender, uh, was able to get something back. So everybody did well locally, and that's what you want. So now this is the team down the stretch. And, of course, the Devils, you know, they've struggled this year. This is the year they continue to build. They continue to try to get back on the right track. But as far as the Islanders and Rangers, they did some things to solidify themselves to really get going. And, listen, the Islanders have been a phenomenal team all season. They hit a hit a, a little struggling patch of late. But they've come back. They've won three straight. 
and they're preparing themselves now for this Ranger game tomorrow night. And for the Rangers, it's about continuing to do well. It's about continuing to play. It's about continuing to build the points. And at the end of the season, you see where you are. All right? that's go- It's going to be fun if you're a Ranger fan. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's ESPN New York Tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Larry Hardesty alongside my partner in crime on the West Coast, that is. Om Yamasuk joins us from the Staples Center here on 98.7. Hey, Om, how are you? Hey, Larry. Uh, sorry, it might be a little loud here because the Staples Center is preparing for a game uh, between the Clippers and Grizzlies tonight. Yeah, I know. Long day for you. So, Om, just kind of... Take us inside. Watching it, it was emotional. Watching it on TV, it had to be ten times that amount being in the building. Uh, you know, the, the the ceremony was supposed to start at 10 a.m., uh, and fans were lined up hours before outside Staples Center. Security was very heavy. You needed a ticket to get into the building. Um, they sold tickets to this event to raise money, and, um, you know, fans had their tickets. You you probably were checked at least five times if you had a ticket going through different mm-hmm. security lines. Once you got in, they gave you um, um, a shirt uh, that re- to remember Kobe and, and Gigi by, a pin, um, a program, and uh, a ticket for the event because everybody actually had to show their mobile ticket on an app. And then uh, everybody was here early. And then when it started, nobody really knew what to expect. And all of a sudden, Beyonce comes out and performs and really kind of set the tone for the day. And, and then, then Jimmy Kimmel, who was kind of like the MC of sorts, really kind of broke down and was already sniffling and crying And, and as he was talking. And that kind of like people started, eyes started watering. People were crying at that point. And then once Vanessa talked, um, the whole arena, throughout the whole day, you could just hear sniffling, crying, blowing your nose. Um, just, the, I, I, you know, Los Angeles is still very much grieving Kobe Bryant. And I think Doc Rivers put it right uh, just a few moments ago where he just basically said, I don't know if the city's broken, but it's certainly brokenhearted. And perhaps this is the first time that the city felt maybe we can go from grieving to celebrating Kobe Bryant's life. Wow. Uh, Om, I tell you, when Kobe's widow, Vanessa, took the podium, I was in awe. And when she finished, it was just, it's just an amazing for what she's gone through. And then with the wrongful death suit that was filed earlier, all the stuff that she's gone through, grieving and helping to put this together, for her to be able to come up there, come up on the podium and keep it together as much as she did, Om, it was amazing. You know, an event like this, no matter what would have happened, it would have been incredible. But I think this exceeded everybody's expectations of just how uh, eloquent it, it was, um, how it, it spent, I, would, I think, equal time between celebrating Kobe's life and Gigi's life. There was a huge women's basketball presence here today because of Gigi, from Gino Ariema to Sabrina Ionescu to Diana Taurasi. Um, they opened up pretty much with that. The, the, before this all started, there were two videos that played in the arena, one for Kobe and all his highlights, and then another one of Gigi's highlights. And I'm pretty confident that Gigi's video was longer than Kobe's. <laughs> they showed for 10 minutes, like, you know, pretty much all of her highlights. And you watched it, and you saw the pot- unlimited potential that was there. And Vanessa, 
I don't, I think when she got up, she got a standing ovation and she didn't have to say anything and she would have gotten that. And for her to share all the details that she did of Kobe and Gigi, um, just basically like how she looked forward to having Gigi kiss her every morning and at night before they went to bed. And there were times that she was so tired taking care of all the little ones that Gigi would kiss her while she was sleeping and she wouldn't even know it. And then she would text Gigi in the morning and say, hey, where was my kiss? And Gigi would say, I, I saw how tired you were and you were sleeping and I didn't want to wake you up, so I kissed you. And just all the things about Gigi that she was looking forward to. And Vanessa said that she was sure she was going to be the best player in the WNBA. And then to the love story between her and Kobe Bryant, um, how romantic Kobe Bryant was. She kind of peeled, I think, you know, a little bit of the curtain of what who Kobe Bryant was off the court. Uh, she basically said Kobe Bryant wasn't a star to me like he was to everybody else. He was Kobe, you know, and how their love story began when she was still in high school. Um, you know, all the things she was able to say and how eloquent she was and how she was able to kind of hold it together was just incredible. It was amazing. And you know, Om, I thought she did a brilliant job too. And I don't think it was done intentionally. We haven't done it intentionally, but I think she did a very nice job of bringing the other daughters into this as well. And, and more folks today spoke about the other daughters other than Gigi, the other kids, the other daughters that Kobe has left behind. And I thought that was important for them to hear as well as for us to understand. Yeah. And I think one thing she wanted her daughters to know was just how incredible a man and father Kobe Bryant was. And I think not only them, but everybody that was in that building today really got that impression. And then after that, you know, Michael Jordan uh, was probably the most, the second most impactful speaker there today after Vanessa, because Michael rarely talks. And when Michael talks, um, you know, he, he doesn't have to say much and you're going to pay attention, but Michael also kind of lifted the curtain a little bit and showed us his relationship with Kobe Bryant and how it started exactly the way you would imagine that Kobe and Larry, you, you were probably there with me in 1998 at the all-star game in Madison mm -hmm. square garden, mm -hmm. when we first saw an 18 year old Kobe Bryant really yep. go at Michael Jordan and really try to prove to Michael Jordan that he was going to be the next guy, the next star. Remember he waved off Carl Malone in that game. Um, and you, you know, Michael said this kid, started off just agitating me and annoying me like that little brother who always gets into all your stuff. And he would text me at, you know, one in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning, just ask me, what were you thinking here? What are you thinking here? How do you get better here? And then he said, after a while, I started to realize this kid just wants to be the best person he can be, the best player he can be. And I need to play a role as a big brother to kind of help him along. And then Michael turned to how he started to learn from Kobe of how great of a father he was and a girl dad. And he said, I started wanting to come home after everything had happened. And I just wanted to be with my kids and my daughters and be the best girl dad as, uh, as possible. And so he kind of told that and he was extremely emotional, um, just bawling. And he even joked and was self-deprecating and said that he had told his wife, he didn't want to come up here and talk because he also didn't want to become a crying Jordan meme again, which he added on to. So that was incredible. And that was a moment that I think the entire building really, really appreciated. 
might have been his best line of, it might have been the best line of the night. And, and what was so interesting about that home and, and you've covered him too, you know, he, he doesn't do that well. I mean, there's a lot of things he does well. That public speaking thing is not one of his strong points. I mean, if you don't believe me, go back and look at his Hall of Fame induction speech. But today he was really, really good. There was nothing awkward or arrogant or anything that came off wrong with Michael today. I have followed Michael his entire career, and I know what you're saying. Uh, and then sometimes he comes off as maybe too polished sometimes, too, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Um, like too canned, maybe? None of that. This was raw. This was emotional. This was Michael letting us all in into his relationship with Kobe Bryant. And there were some long time. You know, Kobe Bryant observes people who knew Kobe uh, that didn't know this side. And I thought, if you get a chance, you know, go watch the 11 or 12 minutes of Michael Jordan talk. It was terrific. It was great. Oh, I know you got to get back uh, to the Clippers game tonight. Just want to get your thoughts real quick on another Morris hitting the L.A. scene at the Staples Center. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was, we're all set for parent trap if the Clippers <laughs> and Lakers play in the Western Conference Finals. Frank Vogel and Doc Rivers better know which twin they got uh, because Marcus Morris has said that they're probably going to buy a house here in L.A. They are going to carpool together to Staples Center if they end up playing each other in the playoffs with, you know, not only Los Angeles turf war on the line, but perhaps, you know, the Western Conference on the line. And uh, he said that any chance he gets, he's going to be at Staples Center watching his brother play. They are that tight. I think they are extremely happy to be in Los Angeles, and even though they have to go against each other potentially uh, to get out of the West, I think they would not have it any other way. Uh, the Lakers look real good home against uh, Boston on Sunday. What can he bring to that team offensively and defensively off the bench? So, you know, you might think that the Lakers already have enough centers. Certainly they have Dwight Howard, they have JaVale McGee, but what Keith Morris brings is what perhaps – DeMarcus Cousins, if he were healthy, could have brought, which is another big who could spread the floor and shoot from the perimeter um, to help LeBron James and Anthony Davis give another shooter on the floor. He brings toughness. He brings a guy who can post up inside. That is not necessarily what JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard can do. JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard are kind of rim protectors um, who will play center alongside Anthony Davis, Marquise Morris very much could be the center who finishes games. If they don't finish with AD at center and they decide to put AD at power forward, Marquise Morris very well could be at times the center who finishes games. Om Yamasa taking us inside a long day at Staples with the the Kobe Bryant and Gigi tribute. And right now, of course, uh, the Clippers are playing and, of course, the Lakers who've got to look at um, a young man who's going to make some, who's really made some noise in the NBA in the Zaya Williamson. Oh, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. All right. Thanks, Larry. Om Yamasuk joining us here on ESPN New York tonight. And boy, the Clippers are celebrating the return of Paul George. They're up 53-24 over Memphis. And as I mentioned for the Lakers, well, they play Zion Williamson tomorrow night. Interesting. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. He was thoughtful and wrote the best love letters and cards. And Gigi had his wonderful ability to express her feelings into paper and make you feel her love through her words. She was thoughtful like him. They were so easy to love. Everyone naturally gravitated towards them. They were funny, 
happy, silly, and they loved life. Vanessa Bryant on Kobe and Gigi from her very emotional and and unbelievable presentation today at the Staples Center. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Let's get to the phones, hear what you have to say. Mike and Queen, start us off on ESPN New York tonight. Good evening, Larry. Yeah. I'm doing good, Mike. What's going on, my friend? Um, when it comes to the uh, New York Islanders, and we all know they uh, can't score any goals. Uh, they've been depleted uh, by injuries, and they just don't have enough top six talent. Depleted, kind of like how I am, right? M- mentally. But uh, they have no penalty killers. The power play is a mess. Uh, so if they're going to go past the first round or second round, because like, last year they got swept because they can't score any darn goals. And, yeah, you give up the draft picks, but you sign them to an extension. And, uh, Larry, uh, one last thing. Uh, to uh, Panarin, you never wanted to come here. You used us to, to get money or, or, or whatever you wanted to get from the Rangers. I don't know. Maybe you wanted a, a car. I don't know what's in your head. But you used us as a ploy, as a thing to get whatever you wanted. But unlike you, Pajot wanted to come here, and because of that, we signed him. So we don't need you. Stay in Manhattan. We, we don't want you. You're no good. Good night. All right, Mike. Mike is going to be front and center. Thanks for the phone call for that Rangers-Islanders matchup. Once again, you're here right here on 98.7 ESPN tomorrow night, pregame at 6.30. Don LaGreca on the call at 7. Trey's in Brooklyn. Texas, and he's next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Trey. What's up, Larry? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. The strength of that queen out there today, man. Her strength is amazing. Amazing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, Unbelievable, man. And uh, Mike did his thing because he doesn't speak. Just like Holmes said, he doesn't talk, man. So to kind of pull that curtain back and, you know, show, you know, that vulnerability that, you know, we don't really see from him like that. I, I don't think he was, had uh, any friends. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I mean, who the hell would want? I wouldn't want to check Mike at two in the morning, man. He probably messing up the card game. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I ain't trying to mess with Mike, but um, yeah, man. Tonight, tonight was it was that was just bad effort, man. I mean, there was no defense being played by this team, and they just looked lost out there. Dennis Smith is lost. He's he is lost, Larry. He is lost. He is a lost cause. He is a lost person. I think he's going through a lot with his family. I think maybe that might have something to do with it. He needs to seek some help because. Trey, let me let it, me run the stats by you for a second. Listen to this. Oh, please don't, Larry. I'm a, Larry. I, Larry. Okay. Go no, ahead. no, listen, listen. Twenty nine minutes. He was five of twelve. One of two from three. Four or five from the free throw line. He had fifteen points, seven steals, five assists, seven rebounds, and only three turnovers and two fouls. And that was probably. Ready, Trey? This is probably one of his best games of the season. Yeah. And it's and it's still there's so much missing from him. And you know what he just looks lost. Yeah. He got I mean, no that, yeah. confidence, Trey. Yeah. There's no confidence None. in the offense None. at all. Nothing. Mm-hmm. He like he he's like, I can't shoot a jump shot at all. Can't shoot no, at all. You know, there was one sequence in the third quarter, I believe, where he was trying to dribble down. Like, he was trying to dribble down his defender. And the dude wasn't even falling for it. Like, dude, you can't shoot. Yep. You know, we played against guys like that in the park, Larry. You played against like that guys like that in college. You played like that against guys in high school. If you step off, 
I, that means I have no respect for you, bro. That means I mean, you're a corpse out here, fam. You, you, ain't, you ain't scaring nobody. Like, you're self-checked. How many times you call a self-check, Larry? Yeah. The self-check, man, shoot. Shoot. Yeah. We, we, we yell at him and tell him to shoot. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't know, man. It's, it's just like I said, man. It's like I said a week ago, this is just a referendum on the front office and what needs to be fixed. You know, we need to get players in here that are going to fit chemistry-wise. And I could care less about how high you jump. I said that at the beginning of the year when everybody was tweeting out all these videos of him jumping out the gym at open gyms. I said, man, all, all I want to see is video of him shooting jump shots. Mm-hmm. Shoot jump shots over and over again. It's, it's, I know it's a lost art, man, but these kids can't shoot, man. And it's contagious yeah. on this team. It's contagious, Larry. It's really bad. So... And then you see a kid like Jason Tatum, Larry. That kid lit the Staples Center on fire yesterday. He did. He did. You know what, Trey? And and it's funny. And I said this yesterday, and thanks for the phone call. Uh, I said this yesterday. They now look like the Celtics that went to the Eastern Conference Finals a couple years ago. They now look like that team because Jalen Brown is engaged. Jason Tatum is engaged. Uh, Gordon Hayward's giving them something so that now they're okay with him being on the floor with them and getting some minutes. They are, they are going to be very, very tough in the East. And now with the Ben Simmons injury, that's going to push and put more pressure on an already struggling 76ers team on the road. They may go a little further than a lot of us thought. All right. They may. They've got, they've got, you know, they've got some, they've, they've got some momentum. They've got some chemistry. They've been there before. They know how to get it done. And as a Nick fan, you know, you really don't want to say positive things about the Celtics, but you have to. They're, they're playing very, very well right now. They just are. Stewart's in Brooklyn. Hey, Stewart, you're next on 987 ESPN. Hey, Larry. How's it going? It's um, good, Stuart. What's three, up? Uh, three, three points with, with the, uh, with the, with the Rangers. Uh, mm-hmm. One is on on on, on Kreider, very smart move. Uh, you know he's he's physical, continues to get better and more effective all over the ice. And and um, Larry, you know strong strong power forwards are, are very hard to come by. Mm-hmm. And and um, with uh, with Brady Shea, you know I I um, he he was never able to get on track. He was he was a good a good skater. You know and I'll and I'll take the pick. And leave room for the uh, to, for the kids to come in and play the blue line. But you know who I'd like to see take his place? Who's that? Uh, Brendan Smith. Hmm. He, he he does he does uh, play with grit and can help out the uh, the second power play. And and, and my 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 last point is, it, it's crucial that they win t- t- tomorrow at the at, at the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Very crucial because if they do that and and win thirteen games, they could end up with the seventh or eighth seed. Now, Stuart, are you confident that um, a Lundqvist can come in? He hasn't played a lot. Are you confident that now, without Shesterkin, he's going to be able to come in and give you some give you some great some great efforts and win you some games? Yes, I'm very confident. Okay. Very confident that he could come in and and, and pull it off. And uh, Gregor Griev tomorrow night. How, how do you feel about the Islanders tomorrow night? How do, how do I feel about Gorgiev? I, yeah. I I mean, I wanted to eat. I wanted to see Lundqvist, but uh, but Gorkiev, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm I'm very fine because I have so much confidence in in the in the blue line with the defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tell you what, Stuart. Thanks for the phone call. They've really, it's almost like they just turned on the light and they found a way to play. I don't know whether it was, you know, they just 
coaching has just finally got to them or they just got more confidence or what the scenario has been with them. But you can just see this is this is not the same team. This is not the team that was, you know, clogging up the front and leaving people in front of the net. So, you know, the goalkeeper was screened and they were struggling trying to see the puck and have clearance. They're, they're playing hard and they're playing pretty good. Now, listen, it could go south tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, you know, young teams ride that roller coaster. When you have young teams, that's what happens. All right. That's what goes on. But the way they're playing right now, you got to feel pretty good. You do. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's ESPN New York Tonight on 98.7 ESPN. So going back to the Nick game and what uh, Trey was talking about, look at this. Check this out. Kevin Knox. Tell you how bad this game was. Kevin Knox was one for six. He played 12 minutes. One for six from the field. One of three from three. So his lone basket was a three-pointer. He had one rebound, one turnover, and one foul. He had three points. And in the plus minus, he was a plus eight. And then this new Nick came into the game in the fourth quarter. I'm sure you heard it. Here on 9870 ESPN. I'm sure you did. This new guy, Alonzo Trier. <laughs> I saw him go, I saw him come in the game. I was like, I had to wait a minute. I almost forgot what he looked like. Nine points in six minutes, three or four from the field, two of two from three, plus 12. And, and you just, you, you just sit back and you just wonder. What is it about him that he just cannot get out of the doghouse and get on and get some playing time? What has he done that he can't even get a look? And it's clear now that the Knicks have made some adjustments in their thought process as far as looking at different people. Dennis Smith Jr. started tonight. Uh, Heartless started tonight. Uh, you know, Julius Randle had just, I mean, the numbers are so misleading, 17 points, 12 rebounds, but just four turnovers, bad shot selection, bad, bad turnovers. I mean, he's just so inconsistent. He's in seven of eight from the free throw line. So he got most of his points from the field, from the free throw line, seven of them. It's so frustrating watching him because he, when he's focused, He's, he can be a very, very talented player. When he doesn't have to worry about who's bringing the ball up and how's he going to get the ball and everything, he's so much better than when he's handling the ball on the break and doesn't understand. There's an old rule. When you dribble, you stop at the free throw line or top of the circle, the free throw line to set everything up. He's just going right down the lane. He's putting the ball behind his back between two people. And you know what happens? It's going the other way. So just just the frustration of of what you looked at, which was such bad basketball from this team, and and the effort was was awful. It was just awful. You know, it was it was. It was I mean, come on. And and listen, it could have been worse. They only had seventeen turnovers, and just think, Westbrook could have played, 
And Westbrook wasn't playing tonight, so at least you got, you know, that, that made it a little easier because this game would have been over even earlier. I mean, it's just no effort. It was just, I mean, if you're Coach Miller, you were so frustrated at your team tonight. And, he, and listen, he keeps calling the timeouts and calling the timeouts and trying to get them to change. And they, they just, they, 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 it's just so frustrating. It really was. Meanwhile, in Brooklyn, the Orlando Magic had a two point win over the Nets, 115, 113. And listen, uh, this was a game that you would have thought that the Nets being at home would have, would have really had a chance to, to put this away a little bit. I mean, once again, they had a, uh, 54 41 lead at halftime, but defensively they struggled in the third and they allowed 40 points for the magic. And that's where things kind of turned. So, defensively they they didn't do what they normally do so you give the magic credit this was a nice win for them on the road uh you know spencer dinwiddie continues to be the catalyst on this team while uh, Kyrie irving is is out he's the guy that that does a nice job normally getting guys involved he's a nice job scoring he can put the ball on the floor he can do he can get get his own shot uh in this game struggled a little bit 9 of 20 from the field 4 of 10 from 3 so that was an issue for him. Had eight assists, as did uh, Karis LeVert, also had eight assists. So the backcourt really played well for them. I mean, the backcourt gave you 43 points combined, 24 for Dinwiddie and 19 for LeVert. But once again, the bench not getting – and that's the difference. Now, the 24 points that you got from Dinwiddie as a starter, now the bench has got to make that up somewhere. Okay, and Temple did a nice job. He had 18, but he's the only guy in double figures coming off the bench to make that up. So you need some other folks to give you um, some more effort coming off the bench to to make up for the fact that Dinwiddie's now your starter. So for Brooklyn, uh, this was a tough loss. But, you know, listen, you, you, you get right back at it. You move on. And, uh, you know, you get the rest of the schedule going and you try to get things move, try to get back into the win column because, listen, as I said earlier, you don't want to be eighth. <laughs> Not in the postseason. Not here. You don't want to be eighth. Let's take you back. Some more comments. As you heard with, with Ohm talking to us about a half hour ago from the Staples Center, and he was talking about some of the comments that Michael Jordan made. And listen, Michael Jordan, post game of his games, was outstanding, told you thought process, told you everything. He was excellent because he was talking about the game. And I just think sometimes when he's not talking about the game, there's things that seems like a little disjointed. But today he was right on point. For example, listen to his thoughts about Kobe Bryant and what an amazing father the Mamba was. I am inspired by what he's done and what he shared with Vanessa and what he's shared with his kids. I have a daughter who's 30 who just became a grandparent. And I have two twins. I have twins at six. I can't wait to get home to become a girl dad and to hug them and to see the love that they, and the smiles that they bring to us as parents. He taught me that just by looking at this tonight, looking at how he responded and reacted with the people that he actually loved. These are the things that we will continue to learn from Kobe Bryant. 
Giselle, Nikki, I covered Michael Jordan. What is Michael Jordan doing with, with two, with, with two daughters and, and a grandkid? What is going on? Oh my God. What is happening? Also, here was the, the, the interesting thing for me was his relationship with Kobe because I, I, this was great to find out how he brought us behind the scenes. Check this out. Maybe it surprised people that Kobe and I were very close friends. But we were very close friends. Kobe's was my dear friend. He was like a little brother. Everyone always wanted to talk about the comparisons between he and I. I just wanted to talk about Kobe. And he was, and listen, you would understand why the two of them would be so compatible with each other because they were a lot alike from the competitor standpoint. I mean, he, Kobe was that much of a competitor, much like Michael Jordan. The, the drive to be the best, the drive to some, sometimes say, you know what? Yeah, here's Michael Jordan, but guess what? You can mention Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant in the same sentence as great players. That's what Kobe strived for. That was that competitor. And that's what you do. Okay. Be it sports, be it business, whatever it is, students in school, you want to find who the best is at their craft and your craft. And you want to talk to them and find out what makes them so good. And that's what Kobe did. And that's what, we found out that Michael, while it was a little no, a little annoying to him sometimes, he grew to respect that because ultimately he saw himself in Kobe Bryant because he always strived to be the best in NBA history. And many of us think he was. Here for me was the line for Michael Jordan of the day as he was just, he came to the podium in tears, he spoke in tears, and he left the podium in tears, and even he had to joke at himself about that. Now he's got me. I'll have to look at another crime meme for the Knicks. I told my wife I wasn't going to do this because I didn't want to see that for the next three or four years. That is what Kobe Bryant does to me. I'm pretty sure Vanessa and his friends all can say the same thing. He knows how to get to you in a way that affects you personally, even though he's being a pain in the ass. But it's, he always, you ever have a sense of love for him and the way that he can bring out the best in you. And he did that for me. There's no question about it. And that's what... Uh... You know, that's what's so interesting that somebody so young could make that impact on a great player like Michael Jordan. And that's what made him who he was. And so that's why we sit and we mourn and we feel sorry for the loss, but we also celebrate the fact that he has left a legacy and he has left us to think about how we look at our families and the changes we need to make. 
You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> 